Welcome to Truth Culture Life. I'm your host, Royce Hood, and I am joined by Father Michael Orsi from Naples, Florida. Father, how are you today? Wonderful. Wonderful. Good day. It's good to see you. And uh, Father, I I don't know if you have anything to do with this, but apparently I'm going to be joining you at the Jim Caviezel event in Naples, Florida, October 17th. I believe that's the date. No, October the 19th. Oh, if I show up, well, I'll get there early. We'll have dinner. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, come on over. I got a bottle of scotch waiting for you. Perfect. Perfect. So big, big date coming up. Okay. October 19th. I'll be there. Did you know I'm coming? I'm sure you had something all, to do with it. All about it. I told you that you would be taken care of. <laughs> so for the folks listening, this is a really, really important event uh, that uh, Action for Life in Naples, Florida is putting on. It'll be in Naples on October 19th. You can get tickets and find out about the event at actionforlife.com. Is it, Father, or .net? It's .net. Actionforlife.net. And I should know that by heart. My, my dyslexia kicks in. There's so many dots these days, .com, .net. There's like .xyz. Dot, there's too many dots. Well, better than an point. Right. Yeah. Exclamation. Right. Exactly. So. All right. So, folks, check that out. I do think tickets are still available for that dinner. Is that right, Father? Yeah, they're they're moving kind of fast. Uh, You know, there's a five thousand dollar variety. That way you get a picture with Jim Caviezel and you uh, come to a cocktail party with him. It's people. Then there's the five hundred dollar level. You get a picture with me. That's, you know, that to me is the most important picture. A, a picture with the priest to me matters infinitely more than a Hollywood guy. Well, you get a picture with me. <laughs> uh, and a blessing, I'm sure, if you ask. So let's, let's kick things off. So folks, you're listening to Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. The way my bouncy brain works in the morning, I jump around a little bit. Let's kick things off with a quick prayer because we have a very, very special guest and uh, from the Benedictines. And um, I, I just want to have Father kick us off with a quick prayer and we'll introduce her. Will do. Lord God, we thank you for bringing us together this day. Uh, We ask you to uh, anoint the words of Sister Mary Josepha, who is speaking to us from a a very special place in Missouri. We ask you to open our minds and hearts to the message you want to deliver to us today. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Sister, welcome to the show. We are, we are again, for our listeners, we are joined by a very, very special guest. Very honored to have you, sister, from the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. And she is joining us not from, um, not from the Abbey in Gower, Missouri, but from the Daughter House in Ava, Missouri. Sister, welcome to the program. Thank you, Royce. It's a privilege to be here. Could you tell us a little bit about your vocation, your, you know, kind of where you came from and how, how you came to be a sister. Yes. God's providence is wonderful. And I am very grateful for it at every point in my life. I was born into a Catholic homeschooling family. We were a military family, so we moved around quite a lot. But our family, because of our faith and our homeschooling, we were very close knit. And my parents gave us beautiful books to read about the saints. So I think early on, they had they fostered a vocation in my heart. I would read about different saints and say, oh, this one was a nun, that one was a nun. Maybe God wants me to be a nun too. I didn't have 
any uh, any communities nearby, though, as we were moving around from military base to military base, I didn't see sisters. I didn't see convents of nuns. And so I didn't know how a young girl did become one. Um, so I waited. I prayed. Um, I was very blessed to go to Thomas Aquinas College in California. And there I learned more about the, my faith, uh, more about a life of contemplation. I think the program there really opened my heart to a more contemplative vocation rather than an active one. And best of all, I knew friends who were also interested in religious life and they knew communities and, and could give suggestions. Well, you should visit this one or you should visit that one. Um, I did a little more study in theology after Thomas Aquinas College. Um, and I was blessed to meet some Benedictine monks. They introduced me to the Benedictine office, prayed in Latin. Most of it actually sung in Latin. And I thought, as I was singing the office with them, this is the way I want to pray for the rest of my life. If I become a nun, I need to find an order that prays this way. Um, and thanks be to God, I shortly after, thereafter met a priest who introduced me to the Benedictines of Mary. And I was thrilled to see that they used the very same book for the divine office that these other Benedictine monks used. And so I, I visited them. Um, it seemed to fill all of my childhood aspirations, and I entered shortly thereafter. Sister, that oh. is just, that, that is amazing. You know, there seems to be a common uh, denominator with the vocations that with the young ladies that I have encountered um, in Gower, and that is all, a lot of them come from, you know, these really just virtuous Catholic families. Yes. I think that the human preparation, the natural preparation in the family setting is invaluable for any vocation in life, but especially a religious vocation. You know, when, when a sister um, gives herself to Christ in a spousal way, she, she can think back to how her parents lived that spousal relationship. And when she thinks of her heavenly father, she thinks of her earthly father. When she thinks of the blessed mother, she thinks of her natural mother. Um, so the religious life is is dependent on faith, but there's so much support that we find from our initial experience of love within the family. That's beautiful. Um, could you tell us the book that you referenced? You said, you know, the, the, the sisters pray the same book. Wh which book are you talking about? Could you tell our listeners? Oh, that is called the monastic antiphonal. So it has the, all of the Psalms with the musical notation as it's been sung in, in the church for centuries. Um, so we use fairly old books, not centuries old, but at least a hundred years old. And uh, to see that continuity in the life of the church using the same book for the divine office uh, was very inspirational for me. Wow. Thank you for that. Um, sister, could you tell us the reason why we have you on here? I mean, first of all, um, I am working on a movie called Incorruptible about Sister Wilhelmina. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the reason why we're having you on here today is because of the Brides of Christ book. Could you tell us a little bit about this book? What is it about? And, uh, and, and we'll go from there. Sure. So Brides of Christ, is a, it's designed as a children's book, and it, it presents the life of the Benedictines of Mary in pictures with verse uh, commentary. Um, the pictures are done by one of our sisters. Uh, the book came to be as a result, I think, of Mother Abbess observing uh, how cleverly, how charmingly different sisters could uh, illustrate our life, uh, especially when some of us went south to Ava to start a daughter house. 
we would exchange notes with the sisters at the mother house. And a lot of the sisters, instead of writing a note, would draw a picture and say, this is what happened in the garden the other day. <laughs> this is a, a cartoon of what we were doing in the kitchen the other day. And Mother Abbess was looking at these charming pictures and said, well, this is a beautiful way to let other people experience our life. So she commissioned one of the artists in the community to do um, a full set of illustrations. It, it begins with a young girl knocking on the door of the convent asking to enter, and it takes the reader through all the steps of formation, the postulancy, the novitiate, profession, um, and it shows also the the different activities that a sister will do throughout the day, whether it's singing in choir, uh, assisting at mass, or milking the cow, cleaning the house, all the different things that happen are captured in these little pictures. I want to encourage our listeners to go to sophiainstitute.com and you will be able to find uh, a link for that book and you can purchase that book online. It is in stock. It is 1995. Um, do you think there'll be some copies of that book at the gift store in, uh, in Gower, sister? Do you know? Absolutely. Yes. And also it's available through our website, benedictinesofmary.org. Well, let's send our listeners there, uh, benedictinesofmary.org. I will post that link on our Facebook page um, for when this episode comes out so people can click through that. Wow, that, that is just incredible, um, sister. And I can't wait to see the illustrations. You know, it strikes me every time I've, I visited Gower, the sisters have been so hospitable. I was just there with my wife and um, our children, and the sisters allowed us to stay in the loft above uh, above the main ch- chapel area. It was it was amazing, and, and mm-hmm. I thought it was funny because in in the room there's a little note that said, you know, please try to be quiet after eight o'clock for the great silence. I have like you know a bunch of little kids, so I'm sure they were pitter pattering around. We were trying to keep them quiet, but. Uh, Sister, can you tell us a little bit about Benedictine hospitality? Yes. So in our holy rule, St. Benedict says, a monastery is never without guests. And I think it's very true because the monastery is not just for the the monks or the nuns who live there, but it's also to provide a spiritual oasis for lay people who visit, for priests who want to come on retreat. Um, So the Benedictines take that especially to heart. Um, we're blessed in our community to have um, what's called constitutional enclosure. So we don't have a papal enclosure with the grill. And the the little extra, um, I don't want to say freedom because the papal enclosure is a beautiful thing, but the uh, the ability we have to go outside of the convent allows us to keep a, a guest house for priests, but also for laity. Um, and I think it's been a source of enrichment for many people to come and share the life that we are blessed to have. Um, I know father will have some questions in a few minutes, but sister, while we have you, I want to talk a little bit about the growth of your community. How long have you been a sister? And can you tell us a little bit about the growth of your community and with the daughter house and where you're going from here Mm -hmm. as an order? Yes. So I entered in 2010 I was, uh, for the longest time, I was the 18th sister out of 18 sisters. <laughs> um, and part of that was because we moved to our new home. We had just finished building the Abbey in Gower. And there was a little uh, a little lull, as it were, where we started to get, we got used to our new surroundings there. We started having young ladies visit, but no one entered for a while. But then I think word started to get out and 
uh, we began receiving a number of aspirants every year. And then the lists of, of women wanting to actually enter got longer and longer. Uh, so about five years ago, we outgrew the Abbey, even though it's built for 48 nuns, we had filled its capacity. And Mother Abbess said, well, we need to start a new house. So she sent six of us initially and another sister fall later that year to Ava, Missouri. But here we are five years later, and we've outgrown the mother house again. This fall, they're going to be building um, cells for the sisters with cardboard boxes in the unfinished basement. And then the daughter house that started with seven Abbey sisters has seen an increase too. So we'll be 16 this fall, uh, living in a house that's probably built for 10. <laughs> so we're very glad the mother abbess broke ground on the permanent monastery, not too far from here. And God willing, with concurrent funding and not too many delays, we hope to move in next fall. And our listeners can support the efforts to help build the new daughter house um, by v- visiting the website, sisters. So we'll make sure that we ask people to visit that. And again, that's Benedictines of Mary. Dot org. Right? Dot org. Okay. Benedict- it's dot Benedict- org. Okay. And uh, I'll make a note of that. We'll make sure we post that link. So if you're listening, uh, be sure to check out their website. You can see videos, pictures. You can look at their music that they've done over the years, find the book, and then also support support their growth. Um, let's talk a little bit about Sister Wilhelmina. Father mm-hmm. Orsi and I have spoken uh, numerous times on this program about all that's happening in Gower with Sister Wilhelmina. What was your, were you there when they um, discovered her, you know, the fact that she is incorrupt? I mean, were you there? No, I was not there. We were at the daughter house, but we heard that the week that they were exhuming the, the coffin that the sisters were digging it up. And we were saying that day at recreation, well, if they're digging it up and they find that she's incorrupt, will Mother Abbas call? And we thought, oh yes, definitely she'll call. And later that evening we heard the telephone ring and I think everyone's heart stopped. <laughs> so it was quite a special moment when Mother Abbas announced the news to us. Wow, that's amazing. And were you able to go? Um, I mean, tell us what happened. I mean, you, did you guys all jump in the, the van and drive over? <laughs> what, or did you have to wait? No, I mean, tell I, us I, we waited till May 29th, which was a blessing also in its own way, um, because we were able to share the grace, I think, in a spiritual way with our sisters. But on May 29th, Mother Abbas invited us home and we um, we came for the beautiful rosary procession and the reinterment of Sister Wilhelmina in the side altar in the Abbey Church. And it was overwhelming when we arrived to see how many people came. I think that Memorial Day weekend, there were 4,000 people who came on one day. Um, so it was, it was astonishing to us because we had been away from all the crowds and we hadn't seen all of that until we actually arrived. Um, but what a special thing to be all of us all the Benedictines of Mary united around Sister Wilhelmina one more time. It was it was a very grace-filled event. Wow. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, there were thousands upon thousands of people participating. It was it was absolutely a beautiful thing to experience. Seeing, you know, first of all, having all the sisters there praying and carrying, you know, mm-hmm. doing the procession, and then all the people that were there following and yeah. just being a part of that of that opportunity, that spiritual opportunity. It was such a grace. And uh, there was a lot of smiling faces and faces of just pure awe um, amongst the the people that came to watch. 
And despite the huge numbers, we were struck by the silence and reverence in the crowds. And we felt it was God's blessing on the whole event that so many hundreds and thousands of people could just keep such silence and reverence. Absolutely. Let's do this. We're going to go to our first commercial break. You're listening to Truth Culture Life, and we'll be right back. seniors remain independent. Faith in Action is a nonprofit providing transportation for people over 60 to medical appointments and grocery stores. Become a Faith in Action driver in the extended Bloomington Normal Area, 309-827-7780. Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine. Consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear Open Line. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV? Even if it's not working, donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in Bloomington Normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this program. And I want to encourage all of our listeners to be sure to download the Catholic Spirit Radio app, as well as check us out on Facebook. That's Truth Culture Life Pod at Facebook. Um, And you can follow this program, and we will be posting links to all the different uh, websites that we talk about on today's show. So we are joined by very special guest, Sister uh, Marie Josepha. From the, I'm sure I'm saying that slightly wrong. I apologize. From the Benedictines of Mary and Father Michael Orsi, and I believe Father has a few questions for Sister. So take it away, Father. Okay. First of all, I want to know: uh, Did you uh, know, uh, Mother, uh, when you went to the convent? Did you did you get a chance to meet to meet Mother Wilhelmina? Yes, I was very blessed to enter nine years before she passed away. And so I was a young sister during her last years, 
And the young sisters were assigned each week to help her throughout the day, to take her to the divine office, to mass, to pray the rosary with her, to help her with her day-to-day activities. So it was very formative for me as a young sister to spend so much time with Sister Wilmina, just one-on-one, praying with her, reading with her, and uh, just sharing the the normal daily activities at such a close level. Uh, I was always struck by her spirit of faith. At any moment in the day, if you ask her, Sister Wilmina, what do you want to do? She would say, I want to do what God wants me to do. What does he want me to do right now? So she always lived in that sense of personal relationship with our Lord, with our Blessed Mother. And it was very good for us young sisters to experience that so closely. What would you What would you say was um, the most special thing about Sister Wilhelmina? What was so special about her? Did you say to yourself, wow, this is a fantastic lady. This is a great sister. Uh, I wish I could be like her. What was so special about her? I would say the first thing that comes to my heart is her faith. She would, she took God at his word from the moment when she was a little girl and after her first Holy Communion, she heard our Lord speak to her in her hearts asking, do you want to be all mine? She said, yes, I want to be all yours, even though she didn't fully understand what that meant. But all the rest of her life, she lived in that relationship with our Lord. Uh, It was always a perpetual yes. Um, And if, if, she lived that with our Lord. It was also with our Blessed Mother. She had a great faith in Our Lady's uh, maternal care for her in her intercession. And she said, if I leave nothing else to the Benedictines of Mary, I want to leave them a strong devotion to our Blessed Mother. So I think that kind of faith that's lived in day, day out, um, it was so unique, so precious, and uh, very influential for the younger sisters entering. Sister, did you ever um, write down what she said? Did she write down uh, her thoughts? Anything filmed, uh, recorded? Yes. So she was quite a prolific writer. At different points in her history, she would write her own autobiography, her own story of grace in her life. Um, But most of all, she loved writing poems. And those were her Um, the expressions of her interior life, her relationship with our Lord, with our Blessed Mother. We have notebooks full of handwritten poems by Sister Wilhelmina. Um, Especially as she got older, I think her assistants, like myself, would take notes of the things that she said, especially in the last year of her life. Um, And we we actually compiled a book, um, The Life of Sister Wilhelmina, which is available on our website that has many of her poems and much of those comments, especially at the end of her life, that were so insightful. And if you also go on our website, you will see some videos of her, the more playful side of Sister Wilhelmina, um, which is, again, charming to see the the joy that a life of self-gift to God engenders. I I am curious, too, Sister, did, um, you know, we already know that her example, her spiritual example, had a big impact on your own vocation. Did Sister Wilhelmina ever tell you any stories or um, anything about her, her life or her childhood that had an impact on her, on her own vocation? All right, so Father, we lost Sister for a second. Hopefully she'll be able to come back in. Um, what a great interview. You know, it's, you know, these sisters are you know, cloistered nuns that are really don't go out into the world that much. So it's a real treasure to have somebody like her be able to join this program. 
Um, we got to get you. I think we, you know, you're getting me down to Naples, Father. I really want to get you up to Gower. Well, you know, when you when you film the movie, we're gonna need. Yeah, we're gonna need a handsome young priest. Uh, uh, wait a minute, young? I don't know about that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Somebody else. <laughs> no. All right, sister. Welcome back. We lost you. Um, you know, I, I'm I, sorry. I, it's okay. In her, in the book God's Will, which is sort of a biography of Sister Wilhelmina, it's available at, in Gower and on your website. Um, it talks about Sister's experience at um, confirmation, where Jesus said, "Will you be mine?" Were there any other big moments in her life that you can think of uh, that you'd like to share that had an impact on her vocation that she ever told you about? There was one. Um her family actually told us that she saw the Blessed Mother when she was a small girl. I didn't hear her speak about that event, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was what sparked such a tender and uh, personal relationship with her. Yeah, she, um, Sister Wilhelmina does not strike me as somebody who would have, who would have bragged about those experiences. Um, it was more very personal to her, it seems like. But can her, you still her hear faith- me? I- we, we can. We can hear you. Yeah, definitely a few little technical glitches, but that's okay. We'll, we will work through them. We need Father to do a blessing on uh, for the StreamYard program here to clear this matter up. As of now, StreamYard, you will cooperate with Robin Hood. <laughs> you know, there was something about uh, Sister Wilhelmina. I, I, one of the stories I tell the people is, you know, she grew up in a time, I think, you know, it was in Mississippi or Missouri, wherever she grew up, one of those southern states where uh, – a lot of segregation. And uh, she said to her mother one day, she said, how come I always have to go to the back of the line to receive communion? And her mother said, it doesn't matter where you go to receive Jesus. And I thought, holy cow, isn't that the truth? And isn't that the humility? And that really touched me. And I tell people, you know, sometimes we always worry about, you know, uh, our own personal uh, dignity and uh, who comes first and uh, who's ahead of who and wow, the important thing is Jesus. That's the important thing, not uh, not where I stand online. So I, I think that's really important. Very humbling. Very humbling. Yeah, that's uh, it's beautiful um, to read read that story, sister, about you know what Father just said. I mean, she never let adversity stand in her way. She never let race or you know any of this stuff that is so divisive today in our world like she she went beyond that and focused on what was important um i mean yeah i guess i don't know if you have any comment on that or not but it's just amazing to to be able to read about that example and you you actually got to witness it yes i found it remarkable in a time when we we're very sensitive to racial issues she was very outspoken in saying um the wealth of my family was our Roman Catholic faith. Um, she was proud of her her cultural heritage. She loved her own family, her own people. But she realized that the most important thing is being a child of God. The most important thing is belonging to his church. And that was where her family found their real dignity. Uh, do you think um, in this day and age... My understanding is that the uh, your community is receiving something like three inquiries a day from young women about vocations do you think i mean this world is this world is like falling apart at the seams right but it always has been ever since the fall there's always been turmoil and division and struggle 
But it's amazing to me the growth of the Benedictines. Do you think we're going to see abbeys popping up and monasteries popping up across the country at some point in the future? Well, in a way, we hope so, because I know that in, in the past, in our church's history, our Lord has provided contemplative religious to bring back a revival, a resurgence in the faith. It seems he wants these souls that live a hidden life that are devoted entirely to him as the the impetus for new growth in his church. So you can see that at different points, you know, and what brought the, the church out of the dark ages into the, the age of Catholicism was the monasteries or after the French revolution, again, what rebuilt Europe was monasteries. So um, I do hope that our Lord will continue to send contemplative vocations to our community or to others um, so that that place in the church will, will be full and, um, generous in its response to God. I, I think what's going on with your community <laughs> is fantastic. I, I mean, to hear of so many young women entering in uh, religious life, really it's contemplative life, and to have such uh, devotion to the uh, Benedictine tradition, uh, especially the, the liturgy and uh, the sung office, and uh, to be able to say, we greet everyone who comes here as Christ. It's so true. Anytime I've gone to a Benedictine uh monastery, uh, even unannounced. I was welcomed like Christ himself. So uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, vocation. And uh, certainly uh, Almighty God is uh, showing his favor to people uh, like you who really want to live out that Benedictine life. We're grateful. It's a privilege to be called to a life like this. And each one of us, I think, feels our unworthiness. Uh, Sister, could you tell us a little bit in the time that we have remaining you know, what does your day-to-day look like as a bride of Christ? We get up before the dawn and we begin the divine office. Um, the first few hours of the day, I'd say probably three, are alternating the song psalmody in the choir and then private prayer and reading by ourselves. So it's a beautiful way to start each day. Um, after those first three hours, the sun is finally up. Then we go about our work, but we work in silence as much as we can. So we'll, we'll speak only as necessary for the work at hand. You know, do you want me to put bananas in this bread or do you want me to put zucchini? <laughs> but as, as far as we can, we, we, speak, we speak to our Lord in our hearts. We keep that spirit of prayer that was established in the first hours of the day. When we take our meals, they're also in silence. But one sister will read aloud from a book like a, a Life of the Saint or um, a history. And that reminds us, even while we're nourishing our body, we have to keep nourishing our souls, too. That's the most important thing. And then we have one hour a day of recreation when we do speak freely among ourselves as sisters. Uh, and that's always a very lively and um, even heartwarming time. Um, we share all the events that we've had during the day or news from our families uh, there's always a lot of laughter. And then at the end of the day, we conclude with the last office of Compline and we go back into grand silence when we don't speak at all, we try to preserve a very strict silence to be attentive in those quiet hours of the night to our Lord alone. Absolutely. When, what time do you uh, go to bed at night? You're up at 3 a.m. And uh, what time do you go to bed? <laughs> we go to bed at 9 o'clock and we're usually up by 4.45 or 5 o'clock. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead, Father. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that that's quite a schedule that you keep. And then how does your uh, monastery, how do you make 
how do you make money to buy the things that you need? Mm-hmm. Our community makes vestments for priests, which is a beautiful expression of our spiritual apostolate to pray and sacrifice for priests. So even when we're doing the manual labor to support ourselves, we're praying for the priests that will wear the vestments. Uh, it's, well, they, it's a beautiful way to support ourselves. A, that we can choose from? Yeah, he, it's, yes, do you have a catalog? A, yeah. Go ahead. I don't think we have a hard copy, but we have it on our website. So just visit benedictinesofmary.org and you can get more. Yeah. org. Yeah. We will share, we'll share that website. So if, yeah. And father, you can actually customize it. You can click on, you know, different things that you want on the vestment and then the sisters make it by hand. Uh, I'm good at that stuff. I need somebody to tell me what looks nice. Yeah. Is it, (laughs) I don't know. I'm a lay, I'm a lay guy. I don't wear a vestment. Is it one size fits all or are there like different sizes? There are different sizes and lots of different tastes. So sometimes the priest will actually come to the monastery and meet with one of the sewing sisters and say, well, this is exactly what I want. Or if he has no idea what he wants, he can say, tell me what I should get. That's pretty good. I I would, I wouldn't know where to begin. I'd say just pick something out. (laughs) Yeah. Father. Father Yeah. Father's lucky. He looks great in anything he he puts on, uh, especially when he's offering the Holy mass. So right, father. (laughs) That's it. Long, long as I can say mass. I have a I have a beautiful set of Roman vestments. Beautiful. And uh, the gold and the mm-hmm. white, they're just extraordinary. We have a great group of uh, FSSP, the Fraternity of St. Peter, that uh, they're having to they start their own church over here in, in Naples in October. And I am going to donate my Roman vestments to them. How do you like that? Oh, God reward you, Father. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm sure you'll yeah. have many fraternity priests praying for you. Well, they told me they would. You know, I'm trying to get into purgatory, and I need those prayers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's absolutely beautiful. Do the sisters ever make anything else other than vestments? Um, like, do you make clothes? Do you, you know, weave baskets, anything like that? Or are you focused on the vestment? Mostly vestments. We do uh, make rosaries, which are also available on the website and then we've made a number of cds which you might have heard of they're also on the website yes uh, well this yeah the cds are uh, are famous i mean you, you've had three top 10 albums um in the building whoa, 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 whoa. they got the top 10 albums yeah they, they've had four albums <laughs> Three of which have made it into the Billboard top ten, is my understanding. Wow. Twenty-two million streams. It's funny when I was in Gower speaking to one of the sisters, and I, I, I don't recall which sister it was, and I said that I was like, you know, sister, people know your music all over the world, and she said, you know, I don't know anything about that. I'm just a simple sister, and I loved that. <laughs> like you just <laughs> doing your thing. You sing when you pray. And somebody recorded it, and people happen to be very interested in hearing what you do. And that's like Gregorian mm-hmm. chant. It is. It's beautiful. Yeah, you know, it's making a comeback, Gregorian chant. I hear that a lot of young people, you know, the Gen Zs and that, and that crowd, uh, they, they like Gregorian chant. I, I think we're on the verge of a comeback here.
helps seniors remain independent. Faith in Action is a nonprofit providing transportation for people over 60 to medical appointments and grocery stores. Become a Faith in Action driver in the extended Bloomington Normal Area, 309-827-7780. Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear Open Line. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Am I pregnant? This is often the first question a woman needs answered when she comes to the Pregnancy Resource Center. What now is the second question. Living Alternatives Pregnancy Resource Center is committed to providing excellent care, compassionate support, and honest information to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. Living Alternatives needs your help to encourage and support women in blooming to normal. Make your donation or find out more ways to get involved at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Hi, this is Kathy and Anne from Catholic Spirit Radio. We are looking for folks who would love to volunteer with us during our fundraisers and various other station events and tasks throughout the year. We really need volunteers in the DeKalb, Sycamore, Morris, Joliet, and Lincoln areas, as well as Bloomington Normal. If you have a few extra hours or more a month, put them to use for the Lord. We would love to add your name to our Catholic Spirit Radio volunteer list. Contact us at office at catholicspiritradio.org. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life. You're listening to Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. We just want to give a shout out to Catholic Spirit. We thank them. My understanding is now this program can be heard three times a week. Oh, instead of two, which is awesome. Um, if I get the times right, it's 6 p.m. on Saturday, 9 a.m. Sunday, and 5 p.m. on Sunday. So three different times, which is, a, I think, a huge, um, just a huge uh compliment for the program so thank you so much for listening to truth culture life uh they they like gregorian chant i, I think we're on the verge of a comeback here uh-huh. it's good it's the perennial sound of the church it, you know we listen to gregorian chant every night after our family rosary we put it on and the kids oftentimes will fall asleep we put we play it for an hour or so after we do the rosary and we also play the benedictines of mary and when my wife was <laughs> pregnant with with uh, baby Fulton's sister, we, we Fulton has a long story. I don't know if you know about it. I won't share it now, but we knew he wasn't going to live once he was born. And so my wife would listen to the albums that you and your sisters made every night because it was so beautiful. And she wanted him to recognize the sound of heaven. And that was, that was the first spiritual connection. I feel like we felt to the Benedictines after we found out about Sister Wilhelmina, we were like all in, like, okay, we, we want to be, we want to be as much a part of this community as we can. So thank you for that music. It's touched a lot of hearts. Hey, you, know, you know, Robin Hood, the Benedictines, they, they go back a long time, right? Uh, St. Benedict was around 450. What was he? What year, sister? 
it was late 400s to early 500s. So yes, it's yeah. been about five, 1500 years of Benedictines. <laughs> Imagine that. You know, folks, about St. Benedict, uh, you know, he, he kind of uh, developed the, uh, as we know today, the, the liturgy of the hours for, the, for monastic life and the monastic rule. So uh, this community goes way, way back. Somebody said to me, the Benedictines like cockroaches. They're always there. You know, no matter what the <laughs> goes through, the Benedictines survive. They survived the atomic bomb. That's great. I mean, God's taking care of them. He he needs, because they're praying all the time, you know, for poor schleps like me. You know what a schlep is? No, I don't. It's Yiddish. It's Yiddish. It's like a a poor soul. I'm from Brooklyn. He's a a New York priest that is uh, living in Naples, Florida now, which uh, is a good... good, uh, That's where, very, very smart New York priest. Very smart, of course, Father. You know, fa- Father and I met at Ave Maria School of Law when I was a student there. We've we just hit it off and have been friends ever since. That's right, man. I I know quality. I, I know quality when I see it. You know, <laughs> I say to myself, that guy's got a future. Well, uh, mm-hmm. and sister, just to give you some background, Father actually came up to Peoria. And uh, performed, uh, you know, offered the mass for the wedding uh, for my wife and I, which is amazing, and performed the wedding ceremony. Yeah, what was that church where we had Frangelico? Uh, uh, is that St. Mark? It might have been St. Mark's. It's just, you know, these beautiful eighteen, late 1800, early 1900 churches in, in across the Midwest, sister. I don't know if you're familiar with some of these. I mean, they're all over. And just the, you know, the people didn't have much these immigrant communities, Mm -hmm. but they put everything they had into building these gorgeous, beautiful, reverent churches. And, you know, the new churches are kind of cheesy. I hate to say it. They are. But the old ones, there's something you walk in, you feel like you're walking in, you know, you're at the gates of heaven. Um, And that's how I feel when I attend the Latin mass. And when I attend, uh, even just listening to you and your sisters pray. Um, Anyway, yeah, sister, it's been so good having you on Truth Culture Life. I, I am just so excited that we are able to get you here. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners about about your vocation um, or about the book or anything else? Uh, I'd like to thank you both for hosting us today and for your patience with our, our limited internet. I guess it's a good sign that we're in the middle of nowhere in solitude praying that we have such bad internet. But I appreciate your patience with all of that. And I want to thank our listeners, too, for their support. Um, I would, I'd like to encourage them, as I'm sure Sister Wilhelmina would want me to, to try to re-engage that daily rosary, um, to give themselves in a filial way to Our Lady, uh, and really to entrust everything to her as our Blessed Mother, who looks after everything in our lives at every moment. I I love that. Before I let you go, I just thought of one last question. I do this all the time. I'm really really sorry. So the the name of the movie that we're working on is called Incorruptible, and it's not just about Sister Wilhelmina's body. It's about the way she lived her life, and it's also about mm-hmm. the church itself, the body of Christ. Can you can you just you, you kind of just spoke to that, but what does being incorrupt mean? Can we be incorrupt in the way we live our lives? What does that mean to you? And, and if you just have any thoughts on that? Yes, 
I, I think it's a beautiful thought that it isn't just Sister Wilhelmina's body that was preserved, but there's something deeper there. Um, I felt like the grace of Sister Wilhelmina's passing, the way she she died, um, spoke to us of the reality of heaven, how close it is, and how our life in the cloister, but also a faithfully lived Christian life in the world, is supposed to be really um, very, very intent upon heaven at every moment. I think that's our lifeline that keeps everything incorrupt, as you were saying, you know, that we live in that, that light of faith. And then the things that we do, um, the works that we undertake, uh, it, it partakes in um, eternity in a way. The good deeds that we do live on in the merit that they gain for us in heaven. So all the things that Sister Romina did, so little of it is preserved in a way because it was a hidden life, but it, it's like our Lord wanted to show that um, it matters to him and that it has spiritual, even eternal consequences by letting us see that her body was preserved that way. Um, so I think it's a sign of hope for this world. Uh, the hidden life of faith is not lost, but is preserved forever in eternity in heaven. And it has these consequences even now on earth. I can't think of a better place to end uh, this interview with you, sister. That is so beautiful. I hope we could have you back again in the future. Maybe as things ramp up with the film, uh, we can get you back on. And I plan on coming to Ava at some point to, to visit in the wait, film wait, as well. So back one question before you go, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sister, is there now uh, a movement uh, toward uh, looking for canonization of Sister Wilhelmina? Oh, we lost her again. <laughs> uh, I wanted to know where, where we're going if there's, if there's a movement, you know, for canonization, you know. They, yeah, if she, if she can come back in and answer that, that's great. If not, that's okay. Um, Father, I know from speaking with the sisters in preparation for the film, it can't start until five years. So May 29th of 2024 would be the soonest that an official cause could be recognized. Um, and I think it would, wouldn't, I think it'd have to be the bishop that makes the referral um, and whether or not they do that, I think the sisters are open to it, but they're not—they're not necessarily going to aggressively pursue that uh, for just a number of reasons. But mainly, they're just—they're focused on their prayer and their work. Um, so if it happens, uh, and there are—I can tell you this—the sisters are receiving numerous reports of miracles and healings associated with Sister Wilhelmina, and some of these actually started coming in. Before the discovery of her body. Wow. Uh, and I've been following one such woman, her story with um, with uh, a very, very aggressive form of cancer. She only had months to live. And she visited the Abbey on retreat and was given the belt that Sister Wilhelmina wore. I, f I forget what you call it, but, you know, from from their um, from their outfit that they wear every day. And I, I need to get the terminology down. But she took it home thinking like, OK, it would give her some comfort. And about three days later, her symptoms disappear. And uh, she thinks, well, this is nice. At least I, I'll die without having a lot of pain because she was in excruciating pain. A couple of weeks go by and she's feeling great. She goes to the doctor and he's like, you know, I, I can't really explain it, but it seems like you're doing better. I, I don't, you know, you might, you might actually have a little bit longer than we expected. It seems like she may have had a complete healing. She has her follow-up appointment. We're, we're documenting this. We're filming her. She has a follow-up appointment in November. And um, we'll find out for sure. But no matter what has happened, she's received a huge grace of time 
And, um, and really, I mean, just amazing, just even just the spiritual healing that she's received since this, and that this all happened before sister Wilhelmina's body was discovered. I want to ask you a question. Maybe you don't know the answer. Uh, why did the sisters decide to exhume her body? Was it because reports were coming in about uh, maybe a miracle? What, what made them exhume the body? Yeah, great question, Father. So I, I thought it was interesting when Sister Mary Josepha was um, speaking about her experience a little bit when they discovered the body. She, she said something that I have articulated as well. She said they were exhuming the coffin. You know, and that's there's a distinction. They were they were exhuming the coffin, not the body. And maybe there's no distinction technically, but to me, they're two different things. The plan was my understanding is the plan was that she was built buried in a simple just plot of dirt on the grounds of the abbey to commemorate her fourth the fourth anniversary of her death. They had uh, they had ordered an altar area where she would be um, entombed, uh, sealed up. You know, there wouldn't be her body would not be visible. And so they exhumed the coffin to transport it into the church um, and to pray to pray and do their whole ceremony. And that's when they realized there was a, a crack in the coffin and they were able to peek inside and they, they saw a foot and a sock. And that's where the whole thing sort of sparked. And then so they eventually opened it up and there she is. Uh, and um, the rest is history. So I don't maybe would they have peeked inside the coffin? I don't know. Maybe. But um the, the interesting thing is, though, with the crack, the wood rot, that's all the more fascinating when you think yeah. about the fact that this thing wasn't airtight. Right. It was a hole and water. There was, I think, moisture, and there was some mold on the habit as well that they were able to clean off. But the habit was intact as well. Just phenomenal. It really is. If the wood could crack, why can't some, you know, uh, material crack? <laughs> that's that's right. And, and I have read before – that you know, that in like the case of ancient Egypt, they go into a tomb that's been sealed up for a few thousand years, and these you know stone uh, coffins, and they re- they open it up, and there is this this it looks like a you know a body, but within minutes it it just decomposes very quickly. Right. It's, you know, it's dried out and all this, but the air has kept it, you know, has preserved it to some extent. But as soon as it hits the air, the process is very rapid. With the with the wood being porous anyway and then the wood being cracked it's just it's just phenomenal so yeah you know i hope i really do my guess is there will be um will be a, a an inquiry into the uh you know canonization of sister wilhelmina at now, what was, point yeah was she being brought inside the uh, monastery uh because she was the foundress of that house was that the reason that is correct She's the founder of the community. She was well loved by the entire community, and they wanted to they wanted to bring her in and give her a um, sort of a memorial, a place to recognize her contribution spiritually uh, and um, you know physically to to the community itself and to the growth. I mean, it wouldn't exist without her. Um, yeah, you know, you you were talking about uh, you were wondering if the crack had not been in the coffin, would they have peeked in? And from what I've read about uh, other incorruptibles, usually uh, if they do exhume a body because they think that that person was in some way uh, special or uh, holy, sanctifying uh, existence that they, they lived, um, that they would peek in. And uh, usually they would have witnesses there as to what they saw, and then they would uh, re-inter uh, the body and look at it again or five or 10 years later 
you know, if they were still working on the case and see if the body was still was still intact. So uh, I've read in some of the cases where uh, the body was intact. And then when the canonization process was completed, that the body began to uh, decompose. So it's an interesting situation. That is very, very interesting um, to think about. And it'll be fascinating to see what happens. I know um, that, you know, the, the, there's been, you know, there's going to be some formal investigation at some point, I'm sure. And we'll, we'll try to uncover as much of this as we can in the film. Um, and the film is going to go beyond just the incorruptibility. It's going to focus really a lot on, on her life as a, as a young woman who, you know, became uh, the foundress of this community. And it's also going to focus on the church and the sacraments and the liturgy. So we're super excited. Uh, our listeners can find out about the film at incorruptiblemovie.com. Lots of neat things happening there. And uh, Father, I think we're out of time. This wow. is a great program. Well, it's always a pleasure to be with you and then to speak with sister. I mean, uh, special lady. You know, yeah. I want to hear about her education, too, going out to, first of all, homeschooled. Uh, great books around the house about the lives of the saints, how inspiring that is. And I think a lot of parents should do that. You know, you know get some great books and throw them around the house and let the kids pick them up and read them. That's so inspiring. When I was in school, you know, we used to learn in those days about the lives of the saints. And it was wonderful, just wonderful. Even in the history class, we had a Catholic history book that talked about Isaac Jobes and Junipero Serra. I mean, and they inspired. So people got to do this stuff. No, you know, you're right. I, I think about, um, you know, the days that are good days at my house are the days that we wake up in the morning and it's a peaceful morning. Maybe there's a morning prayer. The days that are chaotic at my home are the days when one of my boys gets up before we do and we come downstairs and he's playing video games <laughs> or, or he's watching TV. And we notice a trend that the behavior is not as good on those days. You know, you're starting, I think about what the sisters do. You know, they start off with like several hours of prayer and contemplation. And then they try to maintain that state of prayer throughout the day. Wow. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, be it's just beautiful. It's hard to do that as a, as a lay person with a busy life and the world that we live in. But yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great that you're able to do what you do, you know, pray with the family. That's, that's beautiful. Well, we try, Father, and we, uh, we, uh, we, we, you're in our prayers every night, and, and we thank you for um, everything that you've done for our family and just being on this program. It's so much fun getting to be with you every uh, week uh, it's my, on the show. My pleasure, Robin Hood. It's my pleasure. Believe me. All right, folks. Well, the great Father Michael Orsi from sure. Naples, Florida, and Royce Hood, we're, we're going to sign off, but be sure to visit us at truthculturelife.com and, and find us on Facebook. Thank you, Father, for being on the program. Bless everybody. Take care, Robin Hood.